no intro. Nope. Never has there been one. And there never shall be one. I mean, if there was going to be one, mm-hmm. I would say that, you know, this is Covideos. Right. Where we watch films classic and modern for your quarantainment. Yes. Which is really, remember, <laughs> now I understand. I don't feel so bad. All these kids going back to school. Oh, my gosh. I saw that post that you posted. Is there a grave digging class? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, and, can okay. you, and do you get credit if you don't finish? Well, uh, like, I remember. Oh, you, you go, I guess. I uh, didn't have anything to say. Uh, hey, sorry. I wasn't I, building up to anything. Go, so. go ahead. No, 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 no. Go mm, ahead. I, I mean, I remember being in high school and passing time being crowded and busy, but that was like a narrow hallway full of high school kids. Like, just chock full. You always focus on like the smallest minutia of whatever is put in front of you as pertains mm. to an issue and not the larger issue which well, is just issue a bunch is, of people yes just throwing their hands up and going <laughs> no i that i i get that too i, I do and yeah. like it, it's and and i think i can't believe that the student who took and posted that picture got that'll change just, yeah it's gonna have to change right well absolutely the the there is already an outcry it hasn't been 24 hours so that's she's honestly concerned about everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, she's suspended. Who, who, Actually, yeah. you know what? Why? Why change it though? But good. Yeah. Okay. Well, mission accomplished. Yeah. Right. Everybody, everyone, get your camera phones out. Y- right. Pretend Beyonce's here. Right. That was that's an old reference. <laughs> Which I was thinking about the other day. See, I can go anywhere. Hmm. Remember when Lady Gaga and Beyonce were doing camera phones and stuff? Video phone. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that's less it, syllables. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is the future. Right. Yes. That didn't really last long. No. They not both really. had other roads to walk. Yeah, yeah. It happens. Yeah, exactly. But um, I thought it was like a, you know, I guess Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney only did one song together. <laughs> oh, let's not get racial, especially where we're going. Oh, um, man. You won the toss. But guess what? What? I'm going first. Okay. You know why? Because it's been too long since you've gone first? Yeah. Isn't it the Tom Stoppard play, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, where uh, Guildenstern is, uh, maybe Rosencrantz is flipping a a coin and he gets 137 heads or whatever. Mm. And it's supposed to be a comment on, I don't know. A, a lot Life of things. Life isn't so random as you think it is or something like that? Well, not when you're in a play. <laughs> True. But we are not in a play, though nope. it may feel like that sometimes. Nope. And so I'm breaking out the frame. Okay. And I'm going to talk about mine first because right. I don't uh, – no eight-sided die controls my destiny. <laughs> yeah, and it's an eight-sided die too, which is kind of dumb, but whatever. Yeah, That's well. what I had on hand. Um, I want to talk real quick about a news story that is oh. pertinent to what's going on. Okay. And before, when I was interrupted, I was going to talk about how, um, like the U.S. government – like just about everybody, uh, we sort of were, were predicting an end to this, mm. and it hasn't ended. Now, that doesn't mean that people are staying quarantined. Right. But <laughs> they really should. They really should. They really should. Uh, and so I think out of some form of protest, like to the die, we're going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. So now this can be uh, outreach, and this can be uh, not only you hearing us talk about uh, movies that are supposed to be good, and maybe we don't like them. Right. Uh, but also, uh, you could be reminded, yeah, it's still a thing. COVID is still happening. It's still a thing. Yeah. We're, um, you know, that's a bad example. 
Uh, what what's a bad example? We're, uh, <clears throat> we're this is this is the yellow ribbon around the oak tree. Whoa, that's there until Johnny or whoever comes home. Uh huh. But not yeah. not quite that though. No, not little quite. different. Little little different. It'd be like a COVID colored. What is a COVID colored? Like well, are they the if colors? If you if you replicated a lot of COVID in serum, it would probably just be sort of you know organically colored or just maybe just white. Uh-huh. Okay. So maybe it's a white ribbon. <laughs> Uh-huh. So what I want right. to talk about was uh, yeah. the fact that um, there's been a case in the courts, uh, a challenge to the old um, Paramount consent decrees, okay. which were passed over 70 years ago by the courts, federal courts, Justice Department, whatever, to keep the studios in Hollywood from uh, having majority shares or controlling um, f- movie theaters. Oh, wow. Um Ostensibly to, you know, continue to allow there to be competition. Yes. um, Which is why we're taking them away, because nobody cares about competition anymore. Yeah. It's capitalism, baby. Uh, It's late-stage capitalism. Yes. And it kept studios from, say, um, forcing uh, theater chains uh, to accept um, movies like Blocks. You know, you would say, we've got a big picture, but then we've also got... A bunch of B or C pictures, and which you don't really want. Mm-hmm. And I agree. That has not really been a problem for a while. But in the past couple of years, we've seen studios lean on movie theaters. Yes, we have. I have a couple friends who either work at or run movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how they have to run you know, Avengers for 12 weeks or, right, or right, whatever right. it is or longer. Certain amount of weeks. Otherwise, yeah. they won't get the new films. Yeah. Well, right. they won't get it at all if yeah. they don't agree to run it for a certain time. Right. And then often it comes with, because Disney owns like 60% of Hollywood, it comes with, and you're going to take this one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie which they're like, well, that would just run for a week or two because it's clearly going to bomb. It's a right. Tiffany Haddish film or something like that. <laughs> Just, I don't know. It's just my punching bag. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, and you're like, well, no, we don't want to take that for 12 weeks as well, but you don't have any choice. And so it, right. they, they affect their programming. Yeah, and they ultimately could end up losing now, money. Now, if yeah. the studios just f- out and out own the theaters, which is possible because this also comes at a time when the movie theater business is pretty much kaput. <laughs> it's not looking it great. Will be, it will be kaput if we can't gather in public anytime soon. Yeah. So then is it just Disney Cineplex and then they're just showing you oh, only only Disney I films? Hate that. And then they See how that's bad for what, the industry? They can charge whatever they want. They can always charge whatever they want, but th- here's where the invisible hand of capitalism does work. The market will set the price, right? Uh-huh. Because they can't charge 20 bucks ahead because people won't go to movies and that's the end of movies. Movies in a theater, that industry is already in trouble. Because yes. of Netflix. And supposedly they're repealing these because the kind of businesses that the traditional studios have to compete with are businesses like Hulu, Amazon, Netflix. Except for Netflix, a lot of these streaming services are owned by media conglomerates that right. also own studios. So right. it's not – it's Peter trying to rob Paul here. Yeah. But it's because, oh, that competition. And I'm like, that's not competition. Just because I go to the local uh, creamery and have like a delicious ice cream cone doesn't mean I don't have ice cream in the fridge. Right. Which is melting. It should be in the freezer. Right. <laughs> Do you point. know what I mean? Yeah. So there's just a bunch of bad faith arguments. It's all motivated by greed. It's all motivated by hungry companies like Disney who have to own everything. And also they are kind of bailing 
things out. But if your friend, you know, loses his job and you put him to work for you, it doesn't mean you're a slave. It just means you're helping him out. Right. Like they are trying to take advantage of the downturn of the movie industry to come out of this owning everything. And it's it's not good. It's bad I, news. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Is there anything that's um, going to try to stop this at all? No. Who would stop this? I am... <laughs> Not our government. I don't, I don't think Reed Hastings cares either way. I mean, he's busy greenlighting Bright Five or whatever. I, just, so. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I don't like it If at it all. leads, look, I don't know how it would because competition doesn't, or excuse me, a lack of competition doesn't lead to um, good stuff usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it leads to better films, great, because I've not been impressed with a lot of films recently. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, yeah. we'll talk about a movie that was on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. A movie starring the guy from My Three Sons. That's right. And I had to remind you. That's right. I had to remind you what that was. No, I know. It's a movie from 19... Excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. I know My Three Sons. I didn't recognize him. Get it right. You know, you can shame me, but shame me in the right way. A man with his face so famous, they based Shazam on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't recognize him. It's Mm -hmm. a movie from 1944 called Double Indemnity. Yes. Directed by Billy Wilder. Co-written written by Billy Wilder and Raymond Chandler. What a pedigree this film has. <laughs> yes. What happens in the film? Um, well, okay, you're gonna have to help me with oh names because yeah. I don't I don't remember names for this one. Um I don't think it matters. You don't you don't think it matters? I think it, the main guy just, is Neff, right? Yes. Okay, so uh Neff is, is an insurance salesman. And um I guess I should say that, that this is like told in like flashback. If there's like a framing story, like a lot of like all noirs, yeah. that are any good. And he, <laughs> it's late at night, and oh he, he, okay, he he's been shot, and he is telling retelling this whole story um, to it's it's a, a magnetic cylinder recorder. It's a dictaphone type yeah. thing. Yeah. Anyways. What happened was he uh, was checking up on um, an insurance, uh, somebody's insurance, who they, they were late renewing it, and um, met the wife and um, just kind of fell head over heels for her in a, in a way. Um, at least he felt like he did, um, which is kind of taken with her. And she was getting ideas, too. Um, she starts asking him about, he doesn't catch wise right away though like she's asking him about like do you sell other kinds of insurance besides car insurance and like all these things um long story short uh they um end up she ends up talking him into putting out because uh, i guess her husband already has life insurance which is interesting <laughs> so not important okay fine <laughs> sorry um she convinces Neff to do get put out uh, to get accident insurance for her husband without her husband knowing, with the idea that um, you know they're gonna they're gonna kill him and they're gonna take the money. And uh, this particular, I, I think it's it's called double indemnity, right? Um, if he dies from an accident on a train, you get double the amount. So. Um, that's kind of the plan, and uh, things don't go the way that they want them to, or at least the way that Neff wants them <laughs> you to. Did all of that to leave out the second and third acts of the film. I don't. I was trying to like. Um, 
Okay, so no, 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 no. no okay, all I right. Mean, I mean, if you haven't seen this by now, come on, people. Uh, <laughs> it's based on a novella of the same name, uh, okay. and the guy um, who wrote it, uh, James Kane, was um, I think involved in like the story and the process and everything. So it's okay. probably pretty faithful. I haven't read it. Yeah, and it stars uh, Fred McMurray, uh, Barbara Stanwyck as uh, the the wife that you mentioned. Yes, and Edward G. Robinson in a role. Oh my god. That he runs away with the film. Yeah, he it's totally a role does. that honestly you wouldn't really. I mean, you have to have side characters. Yeah, you have to have absolutely. You, know, you think about like a cl- classic. This is a classic noir, but other noirs like um, you know Maltese Falcon. Maltese Falcon. You have to have a gutman and a Peter Laurie type character. Yeah, you really don't need this character in the film. The character of uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the Edward G. Robinson character. Yes, Keys. Keys. But yes. uh, but he's great. Runs away with the film. Fantastic. There's a twist because the police are never involved in this until like the end. Yes. In fact, even when they kill the husband, you know, they're just like, yeah, the cops took care of it. We, we never see police. That's true. But That's Key, an interesting point. Yeah. But Clee, Keys is a claims investigator mm-hmm. and he takes on the role of the detective in this. Yes. And yes, he does. And there's an extra twist because they work together. One of the reasons that Fred McMurray, yes. who, or Neff, who is kind of a... Kind of a slime ball. He's not a good guy, which is no. fine. It's it's noir. It's angels with dirty faces. Do you feel like he was like <laughs> Why don't a? Don't you dig over? Oh, I'm sorry. I I was gonna say, do you feel like he was a good guy before this, or do you think no, he was I don't think always he ever, a, slime ever ball. a good guy? Okay, no, right. he's an insurance salesman. Yeah, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but he thinks that he can get away with this because he this is his beat. Do you know what I mean? He yes. knows what, what people think, and so of course. He's going to put that to the test because Keyes is his mentor and he knows all the actuarial tables and he knows everything. And um, but he can't. There's that one thing, you know, that keeps bothering him. Yes. Uh, And eventually, of course, Edward G. Robinson gets his man. Yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) I don't like this as much as I like some other noirs. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it at all. I think it's its construction is great. Mm -hmm. Um. Many of the reasons that people cite it as, and some people say it is the greatest film noir of all time. Um, I would not agree with that statement. <laughs> many but... of the reasons they say that, I, I agree with. Uh-huh. Um, but like Fred McMurray says, when she gives him some tea, a little rum would get this up and around. Uh, <laughs> yes. A little a little more there. Can you believe that you get Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck and it's just like, there's just no chemistry at all yeah um, i just don't feel the chemistry and no, the thing about there. this is is yeah for him this is kind of like uh, he's you know he's an insurance salesman he's 30 he says he's 35 mm-hmm. he never really says out and out that it's like is this what i want to do with the rest of my life yeah but, but you can feel that he kind of feels that yeah so this is him kind of getting it over his like you know his um, naggy boss and kind of getting away with something but he's gotta be getting some blowjobs <laughs> you know what i mean like he has to <laughs> You have to feel the heat and that he would want to do this. And yeah, it's not going right. to be him just going, yeah, baby, like that. I don't feel that's not enough, at There's least for a, a modern of, audience. Yeah, I don't well, think that that part ages well. I think that that's and if you look at something it, like right? Body Heat, you get that like William Hurt is getting his ashes hauled like crazy by this chick. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a reason that he keeps getting deeper and deeper I into seen this. That. Put body Put heat on, on your list. list. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, that's a thing in a lot noir a lot is that, you know, the guy is like being pulled in by this dame, you know, this black, right. black widow. Right. And, um, I don't know. I know Barbara Stanwyck's been good in some other stuff, but it's kind of flat in this. 
Yeah, I mean, she's... Maybe that's like that um, lack, that flat effect and that lack of sort of passion and emotion is kind of the problem, right? Because we learn over the course of the film that she's a climber and this is just the next rung, but... Yes. I well, don't know. I don't... I don't know either. Like, I, I guess I would have, I think I agree with you. I would have liked a little something more with her. Like, it does, you don't have to, like, be chewing the scenery or be over the top, but just even something like, like, more of a glint in her eyes or something. Um, I, I just, I don't know. She, she was. But that, that anklet, though. <sighs> God, like, how scandalous was an anklet in 1944? That's what I want to know. <laughs> was it, just, like, was it, like, that sexy? People just openly that masturbating just, when like, they see oh my an gosh, anklet. An anklet. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that was another thing. Like, so it's supposed to. You, they they show her coming down the stairs in these chunky heels, so you can really see that anklet a couple of times, right? Yeah, and it's supposed to be like really sexy and like, oh my god, these women, her legs. I don't know about you, but I, I just heard the clomp, clomp, clomp of the <laughs> shoes, and it wasn't like a slinky, sexy, you know, come hither sort of thing. Yeah. And it, I just was like, "Wow, this really takes me out of it." But I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I look. I look. I, 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 I don't want to disparage it too much. Yeah, and I, I don't I want do to talk like about it. an actress's like looks too. No, much. I don't. I don't. But either. I think. But we have to. I mean, we see that he is he's lit up by this woman. But I just yes. don't feel like she ever really. Well, she more or less says she doesn't really him care anything. for him. But yeah, I know they kiss. It's not and a Gilda situation. It. Yeah, no. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Joe Cotton or whoever is, you know, just living his life. And then he runs. And I know he knew, knew Gilda before, but like he runs into Gilda and the audience runs into Gilda. And we're like, oh, my God. Right. Like somebody's going to get shot at the end of this movie right. like, over this woman. Yes. Um, I think it's Mary Astor's. <laughs> it doesn't exactly <laughs> set the screen on fire either. But <laughs> anyway, let, we don't need to go maybe, through it. Let's ra- rank your noir females let's go oh my god number 10 no i don't want to do this how much money was on the line uh oh i think it was um was it only fifty thousand dollars or were that they... was going to turn into like a hundred thousand or something like that yeah because i was like it's something that else and this is just a you know the economy but something else that doesn't really like translate as the money because it's like don't you understand we could be thousandaires yeah i mean you you can't there's a hundred thousand dollars in 1944 money is uh, a million five uh today yeah so that's um i still feel like you know if you watch like a perfect murder which is the remake of dial m for murder that's the closest i can get us to like a real murder plot now i bet bumping off michael douglas would have got them like five million right Mm -hmm. or like ten million Mm mm-hmm so it just seems, and, and maybe it's be, it being like kind of penny ante or, or not that huge That's of a kind of what I'm thinking. An amount might be part of it. Yeah, here's what I want to know for this strapping man who only drinks bourbon and has pictures of boxers on the wall of his <laughs> of his one room apartment. I know. Well, and then like they their their plan is like I don't know how well like so supposedly they, they we don't see them coming up with it, which is fine. I don't need to see that, but like. He, like, just strangles the husband in the car, which seems yeah, like... Yeah, he gets a uh, uh, carload or whatever from uh, Godfather. Right. So I'm like, okay, all right, fine, whatever. And then he plays the husband, and then, yeah, it's like, okay, this guy who's noticeably taller. And that was, like, that was actually a really great scene. That was probably one of my favorite scenes was when, because uh, he goes to the... Um, to the back of the train what is what is it called where it's like open air observation car. the observation car and he's gonna he's gonna jump off with oh he's 
the husband had broken his leg and so he has crutches so that makes it more convincing they're, yeah. they're hoping um so he you know he's dressed like him and has the crutches and everything and he was hoping he was alone so he could do it right away well there was a guy there she's so like crap i gotta get rid of him you know and this guy's like really chatty really friendly and he eventually like leaves because he tells them he wants to smoke cigars and this guy offers to get him the his cigars so then he jumps but but keys investigating this brings tracks that, that guy down he tracks that guy down brings him into the office and is talking to him and while he's talking to him asking him questions about the man he saw on the train and he's like oh i'm pretty sure it's not him i didn't get a good look at his face like um neff is standing right behind him yeah I just, it was great though. And then he, yeah, but and it then led, he, it led he, to like, nothing because the guy didn't recognize him and then he disappears from the film and it doesn't like matter. He did a double take and like he, you thought that he knew it. Yeah, I guess you're I right. I mean, it's just, I, he's, it's a fun character, but yeah. I don't know. You want to, there's, I didn't feel like there was, um, there, there was a very low ramping up to the point where they shot each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying he has to then go and stalk, um, Mr. Norton, I can't remember the guy's name, but the cop, the Oregon guy. Uh, I'm not saying he has to like stalk and like kill him to like to, and it, you know the bodies start piling up, right? But it's basically like he's worried about that. Boy, he's got he has to have a lot of drive-in beers to deal with this. <laughs> that was so funny. I'd never seen it. And then like there's that the before. and then there's the side story with you know Lola, yes, the guy's daughter, right? Who that I think that actress was really good. She was really good. And she was only in like a couple movies. Okay. And then just did, stopped acting. But, um, and then Johnny Stampanato, her boyfriend or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That just never really popped. No. Um, and so it's like, and then he realizes, oh no, she's doing this to me. And then they meet at the store and um, look while they're shopping for soap. And yeah. And it's not so, right. not so romantic anymore. And then they just shoot each other. <laughs> it just doesn't like, I'm glad it wasn't too long, but I just, I didn't really feel, I'll tell you, like. The Lady from Shanghai is, mm-hmm. a, is a noir by Orson Welles, mm-hmm. and it is not a fantastic film, Okay, but it's got a ton of character, mm-hmm. and it's got, both in its presentation and in the characters, like, there are characters that are sort of over the top, you know, they're they're cruel, um, <laughs> Orson Welles is doing it, just an impenetrable Irish accent, uh, and you just like you want to see these characters bounce off of each other. Yeah, the um, ending's kind very of like the Maltese too. Falcon, where yeah. it's like let's get these kids in a room, let's get Elisha Cook Jr. and everybody into like one office and just watch them bounce off the walls. Well, and that's like what a really good noir is, right? It's Not all, always. Well, Sometimes you're uh, driving to an address and then you realize oh, there's nothing at this address. <laughs> ah, know. you got me. I know. <laughs> but here, here, oh, here's my question. So, like, they're like, okay. We got to lay low for a while and pretend we don't know each other because they can't see us each other. Can't, they can't connect it. Sorry, honey. We, we can't right. not have sex anymore. We have right, to right. not have sex. Right. But, like, what was the plan? It seems like they planned the murder. If they're going to have to leave their lives. You yes. can't just have the lady who got what the the, indemn- the, the indemnity, the award, yeah. suddenly date the guy no, who <laughs> sold can't. the policy. And That's it doesn't impossible. seem like they talked about it at all. Like, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? Are they going to have aliases? What are they going to be? You know, what what are their, what is their life going to look like? You know, I don't know. Maybe that's not that interesting, but I just... It is. Okay. <laughs> that, those are the things that press them to do this. Right. But and instead, it... he's just kind of horny for that anklet. And she's like, all right, 
And then later she's like, I hate, I hate my husband. I hate him. Yeah. And he's like, okay, baby, well, we got to do it. Well, and then straight down the line. um, Lola talks, comes to him and is basically, you know, she's upset because she feels like something is fishy with her father's death, understandably. And (laughs) she like, um, tells him about how, uh, when her, her mother died. Um, the nurse was, she had pneumonia or something like that. And the nurse was supposed to be watching her and she didn't have any blankets on. All the windows were open and she was, you know, very ill. And she skipped to the end. Uh, the nurse was, um, what's her name? Um, same character. Lady girl. Oh, I can't remember her name. Phyllis. Phyllis. Yeah. It was Phyllis. So Phyllis killed her mom. Phyllis killed her dad. And, and you know, it's like, what does Neff think is going to happen? Even if they do get together, she's going to get he's bored a, of but him. But he's a sucker. That's he's the yeah, classic. Yeah, I know. That's right. The classic noir hero. I mean, he even feels like he's a sucker at the end. I think you like the third man. Yeah, I do like the third man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just keep going back to Orson Welles movies. But as I was watching this, I just kept thinking of like other noir movies that I, I liked more. Well, I guess that kind of shows how maybe you're, it's not really taking Listen your to interest. Me. Listen, yeah. yeah, I do this every show. Mm-hmm. Remake Double Indemnity. Whoa. Now this is why. Listen, because <laughs> remake the greatest film noir of all time. At the time, this and I bet that they had to pull things back a lot. This movie made people uncomfortable because there was a lot of things going on. You had yeah. an affair going on. You had a yeah. wife conspiring with, you know, another guy to kill her husband and. There's just there's there's a lot of things that I'm sure that they had to be careful about. Mm-hmm. There is that when you talk about how like we don't see him die, I was fine with that. I like the fact that we put the camera on Barbara Stanwyck and it's the most alive that we've seen her in this film. Yeah, that's true. She's like getting off of this guy getting killed. Yeah, as much as Barbara Stanwyck can show us, and <laughs> or is allowed to show us at the time. But what if we could do all that stuff in a era that's not restricted in those ways? Right. And where Disney owns all the theaters. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> remake. <laughs> do an animated no, double identity. Explain weird. to kids what no. <laughs> insurance policies are. And no, I don't know. <laughs> um, Billy, Billy Wilder's a little bitch, and I love him. Who? He was Billy Wilder. He was really mad <laughs> because this got nominated for a ton of Oscars and won none. Oh, Because okay. there was another film up that year, and I don't remember what it is and oh. it's it, nobody does i mean we you know oh, because okay. you can go on wikipedia and see what won best picture but, but it's, it's just, not like it one not, that you actually remember it did not really like survive its fame um okay. but billy wilder was so mad at the guy and he, he like tripped him on his way to the oscar podium to accept his like his eighth award uh-huh. billy wilder just kind of stuck his foot out and boop tripped him oh my god yeah. are you serious yeah so you wow know. that's a little crappy yeah all right he was he was great mm. anything else to say about um, double indemnity how much how much indemnity can you take yeah i mean i liked it i think it's worth a watch um but like you were saying it's not my favorite noir by any means so um yeah, I wish I liked it more. Yeah, I feel like we That's say that. Go around I a feel lot like tonight. we say that a lot. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Want to talk about another movie that we should have liked more? Yes. What'd you pick? Um, I picked Moonlight. 2016's Moonlight. Yes. A um, film by Barry 
Jim Jenkins, right? Okay. Right, right. Um, Written and directed. I, you know, I'd heard based of, on an autobiographical play. Oh, it's an autobiographical play. Yeah, there's a play or, or a novel or something. Yeah. Oh. Well, that kind of changes some things for me. Um, really? Well, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I I picked this because I'd heard a, a lot about it. Um, I kind of been meaning to watch it for a long time. Face your fears. But. Um, I was, I and, was worried. Even if fear doesn't apply, mm-hmm. just face whatever it is that you're putting off. Listen, everyone within the sound of my voice, listen right now. Mm-hmm. That thing you've been waiting to do. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Because in my own real life, I've experienced that, especially with this film. I didn't want to watch it because I thought I I'm thought it was really going to be sad, super depressing. Yeah, and depressing. Yeah, and then it ended, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, that was my reaction too. And in the movie, I know it's like not t- entirely in his hands, but if the guy had just like you know tried to be more gay, that's not the way. That's not what you're supposed to get from the movie. Let's. No, I'm getting off track here. No, but, my, I, but my what I want to say is face your fears. I also want to say what happens in the film. Yes. Uh, Sharon is a 10, let's say 10 year old boy who lives in Miami. Uh, he's a, he's a little black kid and he has a tough life because his mom (laughs) somehow devolves from, uh, some kind of nurse or medical profession job to being a super crackhead in about 10 minutes in the film. But anyway, uh, you get the idea that, uh, things were bad before that. Yeah. He's being picked on. He's being chased home by bullies. One day he runs from the bullies. And he goes up uh, in, a, in a trap. He goes up in a, an abandoned uh, apartment building. And mm-hmm. he's followed into the building by um, Hersha Ali, Ali's character. Yes. Juan. Juan. Uh, who, I think they say his name like twice. Yeah, they so. don't say it very often. Yeah. Um, who basically <laughs> is, uh, we found out, is a drug dealer. But he's the nicest one, the nicest drug dealer. <laughs> and he's like, hey, kid, don't you don't want to be in here. There's crack, crack all over or whatever. Why don't you tell me where you live? I'll take you home. Kid doesn't want to talk, doesn't say where he lives. Eventually, he goes home uh, with Juan to um, his apartment or house mm-hmm. uh, where Janelle Monet's character is his girlfriend or whatever. Yes. And he stays over. Teresa, I think is her name. Okay. Isn't... I don't, I don't he remember. He stays overnight there. They bring him back the next day, and the mom's like, oh, he takes care of himself. You know, he doesn't need, you know, mm-hmm. you're, supposed to, you're not supposed to know what to, know what to do. Uh, it's a tough life for him. Over the course of the, sorry, no, I'm going long. Sorry. It's okay. There's three chapters to this film with titles, so it's important. We must know everything that happens in them. Uh, he develops a relationship with Juan that's sort of like a big brother, you know, little brother type relationship uh, until a confrontation where um, Sharon uh, has he's been accused of being gay by his mom. Mm-hmm. He's a 10-year-old boy. Yeah. And also Juan has to confess to him that he deals drugs and we don't know what happens after that, but we can yeah. assume that things fall apart. We pick up maybe five or six years later when mm-hmm. Sharon is uh, a young kid in high school. He's getting picked on by other high school kids. He has a friend or an acquaintance who's uh, kind of a loudmouth, uh, you know, dude. And um, just fast forward. Oh, things are worse with mom. She's taking his money because he still hangs out with Teresa. Yeah. Uh, although we don't see Juan. And... Mom is fully junkified, and then uh, eventually he and Kevin um, have a moment on the beach, uh, a, a sort of sexual encounter. Yes. Um, that just sort of ends, uh, and that's the end of that. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a, oh, no, uh, the, the big thing. 
uh, the bu- the school bully gets uh, Kevin to beat up uh, Sharon. Uh, Sharon comes back the next day and just breaks a chair over the guy's head. Uh, he unfortunately lives, uh, and Sharon is hauled away by the cops. End of chapter. Uh-huh. We pick up chapter three. Sharon is now basically, you know, uh, Mahershala Jr. Uh, he is uh, running, running the drugs. Yeah. yeah. And he's uh, apparently just like must eat steak and put do push-ups all day because he's gigantic. Yeah. He gets a call from Kevin, who now, uh, Sharon lives in Atlanta. Kevin still lives in Florida yes. and says, um, you know, I got a restaurant, you know, and uh, just thinking about, you know, the old times in high school the other day, you know, come down and see me if you want. So he goes to meet his mom, has something of a, something of a sort of catharsis with her. She's um, working and slash staying at a uh, rehab center. Kind of seems like it. Yeah. yeah. So he goes down, has dinner. Uh, Kevin cooks some dinner. They talk about the old times and like who they are and what's what's happened between them. Uh, they go back to his apartment, and Sharon confesses to him that he's, you know, ha- still kind of gay, and he hasn't, but he hasn't been with anybody, he hasn't dated anybody, nobody's really touched him, and they sort of embrace, you know, in a uh, sort of com- comforting way. Moonlight. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's all that happens. I know. That's a play, huh? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, see, a, like see a, it feels a play like can a get play. away with that. Yeah, a movie can't. A movie can't get away with sometimes, not having a third act. Sometimes when you um, adapt things from the stage, right, you need to do things to make it more like a film. I kind of said that, but in like a cleverer way. All right. But you you were absolutely correct, though. Well, we've talked about a couple of different films that were um, based on plays, and I feel like... Uh, you know, a lot of them you, you can tell. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but but sometimes it just reads like um, like like the Odd Couple, for example, like like that. <laughs> Look, okay, but nobody and nobody expect or like come back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean. Like nobody, those are those are plays. Like we, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. We're, we're we're cool with that. Okay. And then if you have a little imagination, you can like. Blow up steel magnolias and and get put it out on location and stuff like that. Uh-huh, you know what I mean? Right. But I don't think anybody expects much from from something like that. Mm-hmm. Not much. You just go. Well, I get that it's just two guys yelling over meatloaf. But you were, yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm saying like, that this the this, structure of this story, yeah. just seems like if I wrote and this is an unproduced play, by the way, it was never produced anywhere. Oh, if I wrote an autobiographical. A semi-autobiographical story about my life growing up as a gay teen in like black Florida and it was tough for me I think it might end with I don't know I don't know what the future's gonna hold yeah Yeah. and and the you know emotional climax being somebody in this the worst world imaginable shows him just a shred of tenderness like that is a, a result for him yes but for a guy who's been watching this movie for two hours I'd like to say something. I know. I'd like to say something more. I agree with you. When you see chapter titles in 2016, we, Bad got, news. we got trouble. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, this isn't like Quentin Tarantino. No, it's I don't not. know. I don't know. I, I just... Look. Go ahead. Talk for 10 minutes. But first, I want to say mood light. Well... <laughs> go ahead. We know how you feel about mood, too. That's how everybody should uh, feel. Um... I I really liked I I think my favorite part of this film was the first part. Um, really, my favorite part was the last part. Oh really? Okay. But, but please continue. Um, 
I I just thought that the the actor that played the um he was great young kid he was, was, he was great really really good and it's hard Very to strong. be good at without saying much yeah but, but yeah he, he was, was fantastic he was really and uh Marshala Ali am I saying that right Mahershala 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 Ali yeah. um I thought he was fantastic I wish he was in the film more um <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do I, I look people have won supporting Oscars for less than 20 minutes yeah didn't I suppose. uh didn't Ju- well Judy Dench was nominated did she win for Elizabeth I can't remember and she was she was the queen for like six minutes in that film uh Shakespeare yeah Love. right right I um I don't know but like and I understand that that character died um and it's not like did he yeah they were talking well they they insinuated that who did well, Janelle Monet is talking about him like he's he's not around anymore. Yeah. Um and um somebody now I can't remember who. Um uh, somebody was uh I think it was his mom was like how's Teresa doing? I haven't seen her since the funeral. So I assume that yeah. means that okay. he's dead. Sure. Um but they don't really go into that, which I thought was like so I don't know if like you know, after he found out that he was a, a, a drug dealer or whatever, that that their relationship just kind of fell apart. But he still sees Teresa, so well. And plus, people in that line of work tend to take long vacations in pajamas. Yeah, well, that's pajamas. true too. So, yeah, but I mean, I yeah, I think I remember that funeral line. I think that that's probably. I think you're probably right. Um. So, but I just kind of thought that um, maybe we would see him. Uh, deal with it a little bit more but i mean i guess he does kind of in his own way because as an adult he emulates him all right you weren't really going anywhere so i'm I'm coming back in oh okay on a on a spectrum of moonlight to book smart (laughs) is how all semi-autobiographical movies in high school must now be rated right oh my god (laughs) there's you watch book smart you both you we both watch that and it's like gay people suffer no uh, uh, persecution for being gay, um, but also you know it's just you know everybody's it's still like a boner comedy just for ladies you know yeah and that's so exactly what it so is. it's very shallow and kind of one dimensional mm-hmm. and and then there's this which is like it's tough you ever try being gay you ever try being black and gay forget about it right mm-hmm. but also kind of one dimensional and just do you know what I mean I didn't feel any depth in this all the characters are fairly one-dimensional they all Mm -hmm. serve one purpose Mm -hmm. everything is super reductive it's like the kid that picks on him this kid is just the perfect asshole like there's no i know look i know that there are i know there are real life three-dimensional people that are much crueler than that kid was yes but he had no he was just a device he had no reason to exist i felt that in that film i felt that i think that you know barry jenkins is not gay i don't i don't think that that means that he can't write and direct a movie about a, a, a black uh, or a gay kid mm-hmm. who's black. But it's kind of like when a straight guy does say blue is the warmest color. Like, are you going to catch all the nuances? Are you going to create a world that really reflects or even doesn't reflect enough the struggles that somebody goes through? Because there's right. definitely a, you know, it's tough to be a gay kid in high school. Um there is, you know, I think that we take it for granted, but we don't explore 
the idea that, you know, black people not cool with gay people. Well, I think that that's just sort of hangs over it. And I guess yeah. I don't know how we're going to explore it, but I'm just saying it just. Plus, do they all His have mom perfect. definitely doesn't seem Do they cool have perfect. Yeah, does she have perfect gaydar? How do, they, how do we know that this 10 year old kid is gay? Yeah, because kids pick on him. Like, he doesn't even know he's gay. But, right, but everybody knows he's gay. Yeah, I know. I, I think that they, yeah. I mean, I guess how else do we have it? There's a scene where he, like, gets into a wrestle fight with a friend. It, it was is, Kevin. It was still Kevin. Same kid. <laughs> Kevin's there the whole time. Yeah. Are, are we supposed to get that he's really enjoying that wrestle fight? Because I had a, I had a lot of wrestle fights with my friends at that age. Yeah, I know. I, I was like, I like, is this boyhood or is it? <laughs> I think honestly, I think it's just boyhood, but I think when you, when you put that in, in this film, I, I think you, you can't like literally nothing you, else. You, <laughs> nothing else happens in the school scenes. Like right. they just exist for him to be tormented. And there are yes. no other, I know it's a sparse uh, movie based on a play, probably the small cast, but there's no other, you know, side characters. Um, I guess the whole point is that he doesn't have anybody he can turn to. But there just there's no. It's just so um, sparsely drawn mm-hmm. to get us somewhere. That's why I felt like the third part was the most developed part, because if most movies would have just started with him waking up in a bed, right? Because he's getting a call about drugs or something, and then we would learn through dialogue or through flashbacks that there once was a guy who was very much like him, put the little crown on his dashboard, you know, and had the do-rag in the fronts and everything like that, that he sort of emulates. But instead, we just see it all played out. And once we got to the adult drama at the end, that was like two people who both, we, we kind of think that Sharon wants to hook up with this guy. Yeah, I but think But then we so. learn very early on that Kevin, you know, has a son. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not, you that know, he's not gay. gay or bisexual. Yeah. Right. But right. it becomes clear that that was not – he didn't or probably didn't call him because he wanted to hook up. And so we've got these two guys who are working at cross purposes and it's like that's that's a drama. Not just a, a lady telling a kid that he's gay, not in those words. And right. then people are like, oh, that's rough. That's rough. You know what I mean? It's just like compare, compare this to – and I can't believe I'm doing this, but compare this to sex education for instance. Sex yeah, education has a right. different – goal in entertaining you it's trying to make you laugh you know as well as provide drama right but we uh, there are characters there that have more complicated connections to each other than oh boy this is the bully yes i have a crush on this guy yes um i guess well no no, i still put book smart in the pretty one-dimensional kind of category but yeah i i just didn't sex education the characters are really well drawn and and because of that they're able to put them in these complex situations and just have the characters, you know, the, the dialogue basically play out. Like, how would this character react to this character in this situation? And it's in it that makes it it's interesting because you care about them. And and even the, the quote unquote popular kids, they're they're yeah, they're kind of mean a lot of the time. They're but, insecure. But there's more to them. Well, that's another show. Yeah, that is another show. Um. So yeah, I just don't <laughs> like. Uh, I I don't know. I it, was disappointed. It frustrated me by, for. Go ahead. It frustrated me for those um, those stated reasons. I. Uh, what? I didn't like how. <clears throat> don't get me wrong. Drugs drugs are bad. Okay, but <laughs> that chapter ends with him 
like so oh he's like do you sell drugs and he's like i can smell that oscar uh yes i do and so that's it uh, apparently he can't be a mentor you are morally bankrupt because you sell drugs and i feel like and once again you can see through me like a jellyfish. I'm so white, but I feel like a lot of black media is way more morally complicated than that. Yeah, I didn't really. He's like just that a bad either. person, and he must disappear now because he sells drugs. And he because does. because Sharon hits that kid over the ch- head with a chair, he's taken away by cops, and that's the end that. of that. And we just assume, well, of course, he's a black kid. And he, you know, committed a crime. So he will instantly be into juvie. He'll be in prison and he'll come out. And now he has failed in his life. And so he now he is the morally corrupt uh, drug dealer. And it's like, that is just so one dimensional from a moral is, perspective. But you said this is autobiographical or at least semi autobiographical. You, you, you said that, right? I don't know the guy's life, but the guy's life is very symmetrical, isn't it? Hey, did Kevin ever apologize for ruining Sharon's life? Uh, he did. He didn't exactly say sorry for ruining your life. Because it sounds like this. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember him saying that. Well, he's like, well, he's I, just he's like, like oh, I'm sorry so about crazy. what happened, man. I, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But he didn't say, he didn't really go into detail about it. Movies are too important to be in the hands of Oscar voters. Yeah. Well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They see something like this, which is fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I don't know how much it cost, um, and why is that important? Just because I mean, I'm saying this is a small independent film, and yeah. I think it would really shine being recognized as that. Why it's and don't get me wrong, I love Mahershala Ali. I think that he's done a lot of great performances. This is okay. He's just kind of like, hey, little man, what's going on? Oscar, <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like, no. I don't think this is necessarily an Oscar performance from him. I, I think that it's. A movie that's fine, but has been aggrandized, you know, way beyond its station. And it reminds me of Crash. It reminds me of Green oh. Book, another movie that Marshall was in and was a great performance in. Yeah, right. But maybe the movie's not so, so great. Yeah. And so it's just like, what if, like, real movies about real things that happen won Oscars instead of whatever the Oscar voters well, just light on? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not crazy about, like, like why... If this is based on this is autobiographical, then my my opinion is different. But I don't like that. Like like I think you can be an, a, a parent and be a bad parent or be an absent parent and not be on drugs. And I think that you know uh, you thought it was cliched. I thought there was a lot of cliched stuff in this. In well, fact, it was so cliched what, that I started writing down things on my notes that I was predicting was going to happen. And they happened. But I, I I might be a little racist because because they didn't happen. And I'm glad they didn't. Well, but good. there are so many things that I thought, okay, at this beat in the after school special, this will happen. And that thing didn't happen, mostly because they just cut away and skip forward ten years. Well, I hated that like he got arrested by the cops, like and like Well, this is just t- but he has to get arrested uh, to be the disillusioned young man that he will become. Yeah. When all he has to do is go all right, why'd you do it, Chiron? And he'd be like, well, because four guys jumped me and I've got 35 witnesses. Right. So can we see them? Right. He's he, he's out on probation. Fine. Right. But instead he goes inside and, you know, he learns to be a real criminal, like happens in real life. And they got that part right. 
Yeah, I just I wish that um, the ending would have been different too. Like, I <laughs> what think, ending? I know. Like, I, I'm I'm glad that you know he was able to open up and connect with Kevin, and that they had a moment with each other. But I would have I, I would have liked more of a catharsis, um, some sort of like, you know, like, is this who I am? Am I comfortable in my, you know, being myself? Who am I? You know, what is my life going to look like moving on? Some give us we've been following this character since he was 10 years old. Give us some sort of idea of where his life is headed. Nowhere. There are no. <sighs> There are no counselors in the horrible school that he goes to. Yeah, good point. Clearly nobody is paying attention to whether the kids are beating each other up. Yeah. And it's weird well, because... Well, the security guard comes and, like, helps them at the end of that. Well, yeah, they've got a security but, but guard. But you know what's weird, though? What? The very next day, he comes back to school, and that's when he hits the kid over the head with a chair. But yeah. he's walking in, and you know who passes him? The security guard who helped him. Okay. Why would you have that guy pass him and not be like, hey, man, how are you? Because they had him for another day. <laughs> but but not even acknowledge, like, what, you know, what now, happened the day before? No, and it's, again, the, the sort of, uh, you know, lightly painted uh, flats that are the backdrop of this movie. Like, there's, there there is, um, I th- it's good. There's an absence of parental figures, and I think that that's, that's good. That goes to, like, what they're doing. Yeah. But they have a couple scenes in a science lab or a science classroom and the science teacher seems like he's really like on his stuff because he's like teaching because i've been to schools yeah yeah yeah. man i've I've been in the trenches (laughs) i I won't go too far because there's not much to tell but i you know did teaching practicum in like an inner city school and it was chaos and it's not the kid's fault it's partially the teacher's fault but it's a failure of an institution. And wherever they are in Miami, this school seems all right. Yeah, right. The teacher's like teaching them like real science and stuff. And then he's yeah. like, all right, give me an answer about this. Hey, pay attention. And then the one kid, you know, throws four or five gay slurs at the other kid. And then he's like, hey, knock that off. And he sends them to the principal or whatever. Yeah. But it's just like, where are characters like that? Because they can't exist. If this is a vacuum, then why is there a character like that? But apparently... Right. There just there are no counselors. There's nobody to work with the kid. There's nobody to and it, look. This is that's that's a reality in a lot of schools. That's true. And there are a lot of cracks for people to fall through. But mm-hmm. I felt like the movie just just played on pre-existing tropes yes. of urbanity in films, where it's, we just go, oh yeah, he fell through. The, now he now he's a now he's a criminal, you know, or like oh this guy's selling selling drugs. And he's got his corner boy, and we're just, just a, oh, but then now the kid knows that he sells drugs, and it's like, yes, I sell drugs, <laughs> and now he has to, and he just gets up and walks head down out of the movie. I know. He knocks over a, a Klieg light, and, we, <laughs> and he just goes offset. I I don't know. I just I feel like I don't know. Clearly, that it wasn't important to them to get deeper than that. But what did you think? It's like- tough to do drama if you're not if you don't have a realized world. Yeah. You know, it, it, you, are you brecked? Right. <laughs> Am I supposed to see the, the, the flats and things like that? Well, like, he, he goes on kind of like this little adventure when he's, like, in high school. Like, he doesn't want to go home because bad things happen when he goes home. And he was going to go see Teresa, but then he gets harassed by the bully on his way there. So he decides he, he's going to go somewhere else. But I, it seemed like he didn't know where he was going. He's, like, going on the train and, like, then he's, like, sleeping in the train station. And then he, and then somehow he, like... 
ends up on the beach and that's when he runs into Kevin. Like, what are the odds of him running into Kevin? And like, it didn't seem like that encounter was planned. Like okay. that meetup was planned. Low and and it wasn't. But this that was a formative moment for him. No, in his it definitely childhood. was. We have moments like that. True. And when you look back, you say, how convenient, wasn't it, that I ran into that girl at the all ice cream right, place? You know, right. Things like that Things happen. like that do happen. See, this okay. is, we were talking about this before. And I, I guess I do this too, but maybe it sounds better. When we let you run long enough, you start just like, and what's the deal? The moon. The moon's so stupid. It should be called sunlight. Your, your criticisms become kind of inane. I thought this movie should have been one minute longer, by the way. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with a name criticism. I don't think this guy is... Uh, I know he did Beale Street, which... Slap me on the hand. I haven't, I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Probably see. No, I haven't either. But this was like you know one of his first, if not his first, like movie, and I think it shows. Okay. Yeah. And as far as, and the same goes for the screenwriting. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you know this is the work of an inexperienced screenwriter director who had a real sense of he knew he wanted it to be blue. The full name of the play is um, uh, Moonlight Makes Black Boys Look Blue. Oh, okay. Uh, but he ran with that. Yeah. And there are certain points where I was like, why are we looking at this? Like when Kevin makes him the meal. Yeah. He really makes that meal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are we watching this guy make this meal? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. I mean, you could say that it's like, well, it shows that, you know, Kevin is making this meal with meticulously because he's going to make it good for this guy that he cares about. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but we don't, we just... <laughs> When Kevin just came back into this movie, yeah, it do, it doesn't. I mean, maybe that's how they tell us that he really cares. But then the scene plays out, and he's like, "So what's going on with you?" He doesn't really know anything about him, and then he learns that he's into drugs or he's selling drugs, and he's like, "I can't, oh boy, you're selling drugs, oh boy." Right. And I don't, I don't feel like he is another person that we're tracking. But then suddenly we're watching him make this sumptuous you know cuban meal and i'm like why are we why are we doing this why doesn't he just like, come back are, out with the meal why are we following him just come back at that meal? point yeah <laughs> i don't know um because they i think i think you're you, you're what you're saying is right they want to show that he cares um yeah but also it's just something to like make this two hours it's just like well and then but okay and then we'll watch him right i mean that's kevin true. goes back to the kitchen you know interior kitchen you know, he gets the beans out. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He looks to see if, uh, you know, Sharon is, is left or not, you know. Then he cooks the adobo chicken or whatever. And mm-hmm. I mean, we could just have him just come back out with the with the food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm comfortable with uncertainty. I'm yeah, comfortable with it. I am too. And, I I, just... and part two is I understand that I think that this is very accurate in the way that I'm sure a lot of um, – young men and women who uh, are gay or are questioning their sexuality when they're young get very used to being withdrawn, not saying anything, sleeping yeah. sleeping on uh, mass transit <laughs> platforms, <laughs> avoiding well, people because they just don't know how to, to deal with other people and how to yeah. express themselves and how they fit in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, does that make for a compelling main character? I mean, I if don't the guy think doesn't, he's... If the guy just says less lines than anybody else in the movie, and, I I can't, think... and there's no VO yeah. and I can't read his mind, how am I supposed to feel, you know, about him? 
I get your point. Maybe and one they, minute longer. Maybe maybe they they should have done VO for this movie. No, <laughs> that was the right choice. I never actually do, never I, do VO. I, I noticed and appreciated. There's there's a lot of um, you don't see this in a lot of American films. I feel like uh, there is a lot of silence in this movie. Right, a lot of right. um, but the kind, room to breathe. Yes, but the kind of right. But you that that time that room that you leave yourself, you put moments in where yes. we track no, what you're the character's right. doing. That's yes. my, my, my point. I don't know why it's coming down to this like plate of food, but if Kevin goes in the kitchen, we stay with Sharon mm-hmm. and we w- see him. There's, there's one, there's one scene where he, it's after he criticizes him for the drugs and he goes off to help a customer and Sharon looks at the door and I guess we're supposed to feel like I could walk out that door. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to walk out that door, but it's not framed in a way that communicates that. No, you're right. You know, we, right. should, we should see him kind of look over his shoulder it. and be like, am I going to do this? Or like, I you can know, still leave now. Is, are, am I going to get on with this guy? Right. Or like, but instead it's just, I get that he's closed off, but that doesn't help an audience. Yeah. Right. Mood light. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Um, I mean, I'm glad we finally watched it. It wasn't as depressing as I no, was anticipating it was going to be. So, face your demons. Yeah, right. <sighs> yeah. White movie watchers. What? And everybody. Yeah. Okay. A good one next week? Um, let's hope. <laughs> we'll do our best. Yes. Uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week uh, talking about, or we'll be back whenever we come back, I guess. Yeah. Uh, talking about other movies. And until then, stay healthy, stay safe. Yeah.